This message is brought to you by Heartland Family Fellowship. Hi, my name is Steve Finney, and I will be your speaker today. We thank you for listening in on our podcast and hope that the Lord does bless you as you listen today. Well, this morning we uh, start our topic and series on the book of Revelation. Just in the first nine verses, which we just read, those of you who are listening online, I would encourage you to read the first nine verses of chapter one of Revelation, um, which will give you kind of a foundation to where we're going to be going this morning. But the book of Revelation, as we have just discovered through uh, the scripture reading, is a book that we're actually required by God to get to know. Not just to read, but we are to know, which is to have intimate knowledge of what is in the book of Revelation. There's a lot of stuff in this book that is just simply uh, supposedly confusing to a lot of people. For example, um, how many knew that there were actually seven spirits? Same term used for the Holy Spirit but not the same. There's seven spirits standing around the, the throne. These are, not, these are not angels in reference. There's no, there's no proof in the scripture of reading it from a pictorial Hebrew perspective or from a Greek perspective that they are angels like the rest of them. This is a very special group of seven spirits. They each have responsibilities given to them and we're going to be talking about obviously their responsibilities. You have the primary spirit which is the Holy Spirit which is the very spirit of the living God. So there's a lot of details even from the first few verses in this passage that have really breed or bred a lot of confusion in the minds of believers so they just simply avoid it. You can literally walk up to your average Christian and say, please tell me about the seven spirits of God. And they're going to look at you like you're kind of nuts. Now there's only one. You see, those kinds of details is what paralyzes the thinking of your quote-unquote your average Christian. And that's just... That's just one of the, the I mean, right from, the, the, from chapter 1, that is just one of the controversial uh, topics that are in this book. There are hundreds of them. So I totally understand why your average preacher teacher avoids uh, even preaching or talking about this book. Now, I want to show you something um, I will get into more of the details a little bit later, but I want to show you something in regard to pectoral Hebrew versus Greek. If you look at the book of Revelation as an extension of the Greek New Testament, you're going to miss a lot of the original purpose for the book of Revelation. Just as there are uh, trinity in most of God's creation, and some people believe that the trinity is represented in all of creation, I happen to be one of those that believes that, 
you are also uh, going to see the Trinity in the Word of God. You have the Old Testament, you have the New Testament, and you have the book of Revelation. But what happened because of man canonizing the books the way that they did, they stuck the book of Revelation into the New Testament and lumped it in as one groupage. And actually, that is very wrong because this is the only book in the entire Bible that we are given a very strong warning that we better get to know it. It is a requirement to read this book. It is a separate work of the New Testament that literally launches us into not the New Testament but launches us into new living. You have Old Testament, old living by the law. You have New Testament which launched us into the age of dispensation, the age of grace. And then you have the book of Revelation which launches us into new living. It's no longer looking forward to Christ. It's no longer uh, hoping that certain uh, representatives of the scripture are represented correctly uh, or whether we talk about the symbols of the book of Revelation or whether we are talking about the literal translation of the book of Revelation. This book needs to be taken in the light of actually all four views of the book of Revelation which I'll talk about here in a minute. So we cannot look at the book of Revelation just as from a Greek point of view. We have to look at the book of Revelation from a pictorial or a Hebrew background because most of what's in the book of Revelation is actually from the Hebrew. All the customs that are in the Hebrew are in this book not just as a representation but you need to understand them in order to understand the entire work of, of Revelation. If you read it from just a, a Greek point of view which is what it was written in you're going to miss out because you're not going to understand a lot of the Daniel and Ezekiel and the Old Testament passages of prophecy that were clearly written in Hebrew and we need to understand in Hebrew as we uh, bring them up in the book of Revelation. So here is pictorial Hebrew for the book of Revelation. You have Ke, uh, Tav, Gimel, Lemet, Vav, and Tav are two. And when you break Revelation down in the pictorial Hebrew, it basically shows us window, covenant, to lift up the tongue, secure, and the cross, which is to seal. When it is laid out in the form of, of sentence structure, you have to reveal the seals through lifting up the tongue by the one nailed to the cross. That is absolutely astounding. That is not what it says in the Greek. Here's what it says in the Greek. The Greek is disclosure, appearing, coming, listening, manifestation, being revealed, or revelation. Greek oftentimes uses the same words to define itself, which is really not that helpful for me. 
why are you using reveal and revelation to define what the word is when it is so has so much rich history to it clear back into creation that is rarely talked about tav the law Torah clearly brings out the cross clearly brings out the nail clearly brings out the one who is nailed to the cross and it's literally being represented in the Hebrew definition of revelation to reveal the seals that's what's going on in this book is to reveal the seals the seven seals through lifting up the tongue which means talking if you go back to the verses that we just read to set us up for today this is not John talking John's doing the writing this is Jesus Christ talking the seals are about to be revealed through talking by the one who is nailed to the cross this is about the revelation of Jesus Christ well there's already been revelation in the Old Testament there's been revelation in the New Testament so what's the big deal about the book of Revelation and I'm gonna show you that very clearly today hopefully the book of Revelation holds a unique position among fellow believers today it is probably considered the most reverent book in the Bible not to say that it is but Christians rarely attempt to read this book let alone study it it is most likely the most neglected book in the Bible God's children tend to be afraid of its content not all branches of the church even accept its authenticity as a work of God its profound insights and spiritual power cannot be denied in this study we will walk where most Christians dare to walk and I believe you will find this verse by verse study to be one of the most rewarding you have encountered yet but I hope you guys don't just listen to the sermon and go home I'm really hoping that you listen to the message and review these scriptures when you get home because even to understand the book of Revelation it takes a special revelation by Christ in you if it's Christ revealing Christ it actually has to be done through Christ revealing himself in you as you're reading complete different perspective of tackling this book here's a couple warnings I want to throw out particularly to our online listeners because I know we have a a uh, very large following of uh, online listeners who are very supportive of the Roman State Church so to you I say this this study covers details that can be offensive to some readers or listeners due to the descriptive prophecies that relate directly to the Roman Catholic Church it is impossible to unfold the necessary details contained within the book of Revelation without addressing this church it needs to be noted that I am not in no means attacking the born-again believers within the Roman State Church I offer full support and encouragement to each true believer attending this church 
This is a very difficult topic because there are certain denominations and certain religions that were birthed out of the seven churches that are impossible to ignore in this study. And so since I know that our, our readers and listeners come from many walks of life, um, I just want you to know it's not my purpose to offend you. Offending the lukewarm. There are prophecies directly related to so-called Christians that are lukewarm, who have lost their first love, worldly-minded, false believers, those who fake being Christians, and those who are dead to Christ. All members attendees of one or more of these seven churches. As the study addresses each of these types of believers, it is not my intention to offend. As the book of Re Revelation addresses these so-called believers, I must as well. So please consider that um, the author of Revelation over any content contained within, within this work, and uh, some of you who are listening online are going to be downloading the fact sheets, which are literally from our workbook that we're putting together on this study as well. So please remember the author is Jesus Christ. We are just exploring what Jesus has said about this particular book. Now, here's the profile of man. Some of you have seen this diagram before. But your, our first passage is you're born physically and then there are those who work diligently to avoid the cross they are unsaved and they know it and they still have to be brought to the eternal life of Jesus Christ and even if they resist and they die physically in this process they still will fall on their knee and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord every single pathway is going to end up at the foot of the cross whether it is on this side or whether it's on the other side every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is, is Lord keep in mind that 99% or 90% if you stick with the tithing Hebrew principles 90% are going to go to hell because they did not accept the power of the cross on this side but every knee is going to confess. So anyone who you're talking to who is resisting talking about Jesus Christ or Christianity or issues of the church or whatever, they're just haters of God basically, don't worry about it. They're going to come to the foot of the cross. No one is going to escape this. No demon. No human. No spirit. No, ain't, no one is going to escape the foot of the cross. Everyone, spirit and human is going to say that Jesus Christ is the Lord of all. Then the next pathway is that uh, the person comes to the cross and decides, mm, well, I'm not really going to have a born-again experience, but I think it's a pretty cool idea to be a pew setter. And what they do is they go emergent, and they think they're saved, but they're really not saved. And this is what I classify as the emergent Laodicean church. And uh, even in this town, there's several um, religious groups that would fall even under this category. Within the community uh, worldwide, you're going to find the same percentage. 
three-fourths of a community, three-fourths of a nation are going to fall under the category of being emergent Laodicean lukewarm type of believers. That does not say that they are saved and typically they are not saved so they need to be brought to the cross. If they die before they get to the cross they're still going to the cross on the other side. The third category is the person is born they actually have a born-again experience and they are walking after Christ or after the Spirit and then all of a sudden something happens in their Christian life that discourages them and they drop below the deck they're true Christians but they walk after the flesh they too have to be brought to the cross before they die the first cross is salvation the second cross the other side of that cross is you coming to the end of yourself co-crucifixion some get it at the same time most get it on separate occasions they'll get saved but they don't realize that they were crucified with Christ they happened at the same time but not everyone embraces them at the same time so these people need to be brought back to the cross to accept the fact that they have been co-crucified with Jesus Christ and then walk after the spirit the final category is a rare select few and I have met very few that have walked this way but they are born then they become born again they accept Jesus dying on the cross they grow in Christ and grow in Christ and grow in Christ and may even accept doctrinally that they were crucified with Christ some will get it right here and others will get it down the road a ways but they are consistent in walking after the spirit you don't have to embrace co-crucifixion to walk after the spirit you just don't have the full knowledge of who is walking so they can have a rare, very responsible life in Christ and still not understand who they truly are in Christ one of my favorite teachers is um, I would say doctrinally he's one of the best teachers I've ever heard but our family oftentimes when we listen to his CDs or whatever we just go, if he would only just take the next step of co-crucifixion. But we enjoy listening to him. So it's not that we will only listen to exchange live preachers. We have a knowledge and understanding that they just don't understand the fullness of who they are in Christ yet. Then there are those, of course, who do. And those type of people are fun to listen to. Now they're warning offending other religions there's a direct statement or there are direct statements that I'm going to be making about groups and religions that come against Christ in the final days groups like Muslims globalists universalists socialists communists Hindu Satanists Protestants and Roman Catholics now there can actually be Christians in every single one of these groups true indwelt Christians there are Muslims that become born again they receive the indwelling life of Christ there are globalists they really believe that Christ is already somewhere and getting ready to step out to have full control of the earth they are globalist Christians they have a theology of all this revelation stuff has already happened and we're in the thousand year reign there's a particular religion that's, that believes that Jehovah Witnesses 
are one of them that believe that that we are in those days right now. We're in that thousand year reign. And there's true born again indwelt Christians even in this group. Universalists is all religions work together for the goods. The most popular view in America today. So whether you are Muslim or whether you are whatever you are, it all works because we all serve the same God. Which is a lie, of course. Socialists, communists, there are self-proclaimed Christians in most of these groups. I've even heard a Satanist say that they are a Christian. So, Christian does not necessarily mean Jesus Christian. Christian and Jesus were not words that were used together by Jesus Christ. The term Christian was used as a label to describe those who have done business with Jesus. So we need to handle each in the respected categories respectfully, but at the same time it's going to be offensive to many because we are going to address these groups. So, and in addressing these groups on the basis of history, continuous history, future projections made by John, the writer of Revelation, it is not my intention to put these groups on edge regarding these facts. I believe it is God's love and desire to evangelize and convert any and all individuals within these groups to the one and only true faith, that of the indwelling life of Jesus Christ, which is true Christianity. I want to show you a, a chart on religions by world populace. This is going to be used, these statistics are going to be used throughout our study of the book of Revelation. What you're staring at right now is very, very deceptive. We have, percentage-wise, we have Islam, which is 30%. Now, to an Islamic person, that is going to be of no surprise. They've been trying to communicate to that, that to us for generations. Keep in mind that true Islamic people are the offspring of Ishmael. And a promise was made to Ishmael's mother. Does someone want to tell me what that promise is and was? We're going to see that in our populace. The, the uh, president of France made a comment back when the 9-11 thing happened. He evidently did his research and what he found out is he said if Muslims continue to mass produce at the pace that they are that within uh, by uh, 2025 France will be 30 percent Muslim. It is 2013 and they're already 32 percent Muslim. So even statistical predictions on the mass multiplication of the Islamic uh, nation is uh, beyond our reach. And you have to say, well, why is it that they are able to mass produce at such a fast pace? They don't believe in divorce. They don't believe in abortion. They don't believe in euthanasia. They just believe in murdering you if you don't support their religion. That's very critical in understanding why you're going to see the numbers of the Islamic community or populace 
grow into numbers that will be impossible for us to war against. That's their point. Another 30% are self-identified Christians, which include Catholics, Protestants, Eastern Orthodox, Deists, Mormonism, Emergent Believers, Jehovah Witness, and the list goes on and on and on and on. There are 30 plus religions that claim that they are Christian. So when people are running around say, well, I'm a Christian, the true indwelt believers have been so nice about this I'm Christian theme that they haven't been discerning. They haven't stopped and said, well, what do you mean by Christian? That you're American? If you listen to a Mormon, for example, and what they mean by I am Christian, it will not be the definition that is given by an indwelt believer who has the living Holy Spirit inside their mortal body. Same with a Jehovah Witness. Same with an American. And for some reason, the average American thinks that Jesus is American by belief. That this is a Christian nation. Well, in this category, I'm going to have to agree with the, the historians that say that America is Christian. I, I'm going to have to agree with them. Because we are a country that openly accepts all religions. And since the majority, the 30% here, believe that they are Christian... They can actually say now that America is, is Christian and have some statistical proof of that. Another 20% over here is non-religious. These are the people that just say, I don't, I, I'm not Christian, I'm not Muslim, I'm, I'm, I'm not anything. But as you and I both know, their religion is themselves. They are God. This is the most dangerous group on the entire map. These are people that don't believe that any God is forcing them to do anything. So therefore, I can do anything in and of myself. This group here is mostly political venturist. That's how they're able to have full massive control politically is by claiming I'm not really Christian. Oh, that candidate's Mormon? Oh, well, I'm just supporting the American Constitution or whatever the case may be. They're very dangerous people. They're classically politicians. Now, the Jewish is 0 0.25. Now, something's wrong here when you look at this chart because you're seeing the promise given to Ishmael and it's the same promise that's given to Isaac. But yet, Jewish is 0 0.25. Well, either there's a lot of Jews running around the world with their mouth shut on proclaiming that they're really Jewish, or God's offbeat. And it's actually the first. Because of the Holocaust, the Jews have mastered the art of keeping their mouth shut. And it's something that's stuck into their very fibers of their lives every day. 
And that's why when we discover in the book of Revelation, there's going to be a great calling out for the Jews to step out, to step forward. But they know, and history has proven, that whenever they step out and say, I am of the I am, a holocaust starts. And it's going to, again, Satan hates Jews. And he loves this group here. Because they are the Jew killers. We've joined in too, occasionally. We have a present administration right now that's not really supportive of the Jews. Nor will anyone in the world. In fact, the Jewish people are going to be pretty much left to themselves. Tiny little country. A tiny group of people which are really not so tiny, by the way. In the end, there's going to be this massive war of Ishmael and Isaac. The true numbers are going to come forward. We're going to be the ones, these self-proclaimed Christian types, are going to be the ones that are be the small slices of the pie. We are grafted into the Jews. They are not grafted into us. That's more of a Western theology type of thinking. We are grafted into the Jews. So now the born again indwelt Christians are 2.5%. These are the Christians you walk up into your community and say, tell me what it means to be a Christian. And they fumble around. They tell you, you know, I believe in the Bible. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in all the doctrines of the word. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. Well, believing means absolutely nothing. Unless it's the mind of Christ in you that's doing the believing. That's what indwelt Christians are able to discern and explain. Following because you believe does not make you a true follower in Christ. The same kind of rejection that we are faced with in the world with those who are truly standing up and say, I am an indwelt Christian... Some are losing their arms, some are losing their legs, some are losing their heads over saying, I am an indwelt Christian. I have the very life of Christ in me. I have God living inside me because Christ is God. Well, they're beheaded, they're tortured, they're removed. So we're going to be faced the same thing with the fear that the Jews have and that's coming out and saying the truth of who you really are. The more you say who you are in Christ, the more rejection you'll get in your community. I promise you. The other percent is the 1725. This group goes with this other deceptive group, but we can't define them. This group here is a result of a survey. This is what's left of this overall survey that we could, not we, but the, the group that I got these statistics from was unable to identify. So they could be haters of all religion, they could be a little bit of each, we just simply don't know. But you should be able to look at this chart instantly and see where the war is going to be. The largest against the smallest. Who's growing more? Who is publicly saying they're growing more? Who is more hostile in their growth? And if you can't pick the group out, 
These people here believe peace, 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 but there is no peace. These people here go, I don't really care about world peace. I care about what is ours and us taking it back. But this is peace, peace, peace. These people here are probably peace, peace, peace. But they really have an agenda behind their peace. They want global power. So most globalists will probably fall under this category. Most universalists will fall under this category. Most Muslims will fall under this category. And this, well, they still have to decide someday. Their passivity will require a choice someday. And these people here are pretty clear on what they believe. And if you finally get a hold of them and put them on the spot, they're going to say, okay, yes, I am Jew-ish. But that day is not here. One of the most interesting facts about what's happened to Israel over the past 10 years is Israel became the very first nation on the face of the earth to legalize homosexual marriages as a nation. I hope you understand this when I'm going to say this. And if you don't, stay with the series because you will. This is the most biblical group on the planet right now. The Muslims. In function. They deny divorce. They deny abortion. They deny all the things that even the Jews have adopted that has made God sick to his stomach. I mean, God loves his own people so much, he's coming to do some very miraculous things to save them. Only 144,000 make it through that process. But, he loves them so much, he's, he's going to put on quite a show for that 144,000. Out of the millions and millions of Jews that are on the face of the earth, that have ever lived on the face of the earth, during that time, there's only going to be 144,000 that make it through that revelation and get saved. That is mind-bending. You want to know why? That the blood is going to be up to the bridles of the horses? Numbers, people. Numbers. This is 30% now, but I guarantee you they're going to get the majority of these percentages. This group here of this, this emergent church is going to become Chrislam. It's like our administration right now, our very president of this country says he is a born-again Christian and he is Muslim. There's a new religion that was started many years ago, which is now being popularized, and it's called Chrislam. Christianity and Muslim. Christ and Muslim. The reason why that the Muslims are not afraid of this, the Muslims have their own Jesus. His name is Issa. Issa in the Arabic is Jesus. They have their own Made, which is a world leader that will reign for seven years before Allah comes and reigns for a thousand. So you see, this is tall telling of what is going to happen. You just have to do the math. So the emergent church movement in America, for America to become the headquarters for the emergent church, is absolutely critical in the end times. The Constitution of the United States of America even supports the end times, and we are in the book of Revelation. It's just that very few people talk about us. 
Many pastors say, I have never really been able to figure out if we're in there or not. Yes, we're in there. You just need to see what is the next America. You can't look at it as this America, named as the Christian America. We have to look at it, I mean, our very president was caught with a book in his hand, coming out of a bookstore that said, what's after America? You see, there's, it doesn't mean that we will always continue to be this country that supports Jesus Christ and Him crucified. What you're going to find out that this country is going to become supportive of Christianity. But if you are an active, outspoken, indwelt Christian, you will not be loved in this country. And some of you are listening who have had to experience this kind of hatred in our own country. There's not freedom of religion in America. There's freedom of 99.9% religions. There's not a freedom of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You must understand that. The final religion and the end hours will be Christianity. That's, that's as simple as I can make it. Christian doesn't mean Jesus Christ and him crucified. It means follower of a Christ. So when the Antichrist comes in and does the great exchange, the great swap, all these Christ followers are going to follow him. Since Muslim people have a Christ. Since all these religions have a Christ. And these people are going to have to choose a Christ. You see, once they are moved to follow a Christ, there's going to be just two little groups that refuse to follow this Christ. The Antichrist. And even many or most of the Jews within that small percentage are going to follow this Antichrist. We won't. We're going to know. We're going to know this is not our Savior. We're going to know this is not our husband. When a woman cannot identify her husband and who he really is, she's already lost him. See, the Bride of Christ knows who Jesus is. He's our husband. And as long as true indwelt believers know who Jesus Christ really is, we can't be deceived. So to know your husband is critical. Now let's break this down a little bit. This series is not for the purpose of reviewing continuous history. It is for the divine purpose of assisting true believers in understanding the book. If the contents appears to be exclusive and biased toward Christianity, true indwelt Christianity, it's because it is. If the book appears to be uh, not only uh, not in agreement with all these other religions, these universalist types of Christians, you need to understand God actively speaks against universalism. One of my old friends, he is presently one of the leading exchange life teachers on the face of the earth has written several books, probably most of you here have read, has now proclaimed as of two years ago being a universalist. Some of our very best are going down this universalist road. Why? Because 
be at peace with all men. We're getting it all mixed up. And so we're interpreting be in peace and loving your brother. Well, the Muslims aren't my brothers. The Jehovah Witnesses are not my brothers. But I'm not to hate them. I am to reach out to them to lead them to my husband for a chat. And let Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit tell them, you're wrong and you're going to hell if you do not believe this. That's his job to do that. Thank you for joining us today. Heartland Family Fellowship is a local church plant here in Sterling, Kansas. Our fellowship includes the family and all levels of worship. Our mission is to bring families back together spiritually, relationally, and physically. Many people ask us, what does that really mean, or how does it benefit them? Well, it means that you can bring your entire family to any of Heartland's events. And we will work to keep the focus on God Jesus Christ and the body of Christ without dividing up the family at the front door. If you're interested in learning more about our fellowship or other family integrated fellowships, please log on to our website. That is www.heartlandfellowships.org. We thank you for joining us. Get yourself in a bind, lose a shirt off your back. Need a floor, need a couch, need a bus fare.